Hello and welcome to The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your co-host, Brian Phillips, the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Derek Cohen, who runs our policy shop here at, at TPPF. Derek, have you filled out your brackets? That I have. That I have. Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi all the way. Excellent. Awesome. It's not community college? <laughs> Um, so, uh, but, but funny, today is the, uh, happy, um, least productive day of the day year, mm-hmm. uh, of the year day, uh, when most folks will be pretending to work, but in fact, we'll be, um, tr- desperately trying to find the channel, the true TV channel so that they can watch, uh, the first round of March madness, or as some might call it March sadness, because a lot of, uh, brackets will be busted. Um, so who do you have going all the way this year? I, I did a couple brackets. The first one, and I know this is going to be high heresy but uh, I had Houston in the um, okay it's a Texas team that's fine absolutely but then I I tried to do one with some based on some other criteria uh, and I did two separate ones one led to Alabama the other led to Tennessee so it was a the other UT. The other UT. Well, as a, proud, UT. as a proud Longhorn University of Texas grad, I am uh, obligated to make sure to, to put them as winning this year because a lot of people have them going all the way this year. So at least going to the finals. Well, you're a Cowboys fan too, right? Uh, so you're saying this is the year? Don't even get me into that. Yeah, don't even <laughs> get me into that. Uh, I'm a 90s Cowboy fan. How about that? Oh, okay. Does that count? Um, the other fun business uh, to talk about is uh, happy anniversary because today is officially our 10th episode. Uh, doesn't feel like more than eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, you know, and then they haven't canceled this yet, which is fantastic, which it just goes to show that, you know, if you control your own production and your own distribution, uh, so take that liberal media. Um, Until Greg comes down here and cancels us. Yeah, absolutely. Until we say something wrong and, uh, and then we get the plug pulled. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how long this goes. I mean, you know, we started this podcast because we wanted to talk about session and talk about all the things mm-hmm. uh, that are going on. So, you know, I'm sure we'll have special sessions. So maybe that'll be the extended no, version we, of that is very bad juju to put that out there this time. <laughs> oh, I said it. I said the quiet part out loud. Now you're going to get canceled. Um, so, and also this week, I do want to give a plug because both Derek and I are friends with, um, uh, you know, we have a, a good supporters of ours and, and folks that we support um, uh, locally here at AM 1370. Uh, the uh, Jim Carl and Lynn Woolley, oh, we were great. guests on their show this week. We actually hosted all, both hours. I did uh, t- on Tuesday. Derek did on Wednesday. Um, you know, they, they talk about Austin being the blueberry in this in the in the red tomato soup um, if that's the case then then Cardle and Wooly are the uh, the cherry tomato in the blue soup I guess <laughs> of, of Austin um, and so uh, shout out to those guys because they had us on this week um, and if you missed that uh, obviously their uh, their archives are available uh, mm-hmm. Derek and I were on there and they're fantastic guys and allow us to talk about you know all the crazy things a lot more than we talk about here Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was about to say, and not only that, it's always great to be you know teed up, uh, to be teed up by professionals as well. You know, it's we're 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 getting there, but uh, you know that's a that's a different strata. I like to say that we do our best uh, Cardinal and Willie imp- impression, uh, but they let <laughs> us plug our our our. Uh uh, our podcast, which we actually had callers call in last yeah. time and say that they listened to the podcast, so that's fantastic. Yeah. And they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't criticize us too much. 
a little bit of housekeeping. I do want to plug uh, one of the one of the um, series that we're doing right now, which is I think it's up to like 15 or 16 episodes now. Uh, is called the layout, and so if you want to check that out, basically the layout is an opportunity for members to come over to TPPF and talk about their bills. A lot of these bills, which are really important, and they're going to have uh, significant debates over, but maybe they don't make the news or maybe they don't make the headlines. Uh, but it's an opportunity for them to come over and talk about the bills and what they hope to achieve with them. It's called the layout. You can find that series at texaspolicy.com slash the layout. Um, there's a lot of really good content up there and you're hearing directly from members uh, about the bills that matter. Um, all right. So getting in, uh, talking about today's show, later on in the show, we're going to get in depth on the border. There's obviously some, some huge headlines that have come out in the last week about goings on there at the border in terms of border security. Uh, for top topics, we want to talk about property taxes and then the, the big hubbub today and this week uh, has been the takeover of Houston ISD. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge issue. Uh, the um, the Texas uh, Education uh, Administration Agency, Agency Commissioner Mike Morath uh, announcing that they're going to be taking over the largest school district. And we'll talk about why that might be. Uh, but for right now, of course, and really getting into the bulk of the show here is going to be our Ledgeland update with Derek. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot going on this week. Huge issues go- being getting in front of committees and being debated and even some votes mm-hmm. uh, this week. So take us through some of the bigger issues that uh, were talked about in the legislature this week. I say really have, haven't really noticed. No. Um, <laughs> so I mean, gee, where do you start on this? I mean, let's we, start with Monday. Taxpayer yeah, funded lobbying. Yeah, taxpayer funded lobbying and taxpayer funded lobbying. Is a, it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting dynamic. You know, you see in previous sessions, uh, whenever it would come up, it would be usually the grassroots, the activists. Uh, the people who understand like how it kind of uh, corrupts the system. You see those folks really uh, showing up and, and you know outlaying the evils there. And then on the other side would be the people who benefit from it, either the lobbyists or the um, uh, municipalities or you know political subdivisions mm-hmm. themselves. That was not the way. That was not like that this year. This year it was local elected officials on the side of the bill, and you know it, everything from mayors to council uh, council people. Uh, county judges all saying that like no we pay into the the system you know because you know they have you know they run the risk pool or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is there's other reasons that we pay in and then they take that money and advocate for just absolute nonsense that nobody uh that nobody approves outside of maybe the six uh, six large counties or the six large cities and so if this is something that we must engage in you know or this you know if we want to take take advantage of the service you know, we don't want them actually, you know, putting words in our mouth. You know, this is uh, this is the uh, union dues for political work. Uh, you know, this is Janice all over again. Yeah. Um, but you essentially see that uh, that bill moving as well. And, you know, I know we'll get into it later, but we saw uh, certain uh, entities up at the Capitol uh, really not represent themselves well and haven't got uh, on the wrong side of several lawmakers. So, like I said, we'll, t- we'll talk about uh, that a little later on. But... See what else we have going on. We had property tax in both chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked we've talked ad nauseum on this program about how the Senate and the House both have chosen different approaches uh, to property taxes. I still remain pretty uh, pretty optimistic that we're going to see major 
structural change, and I'm and I'm definitely glad to see that. The lieutenant came out uh, this week, yeah. had a pretty big press conference, and announced that uh, their package would would give sixteen and uh, sixteen and a half billion dollars worth of property taxes, which is a billion more than they announced when they put out the budget. So it just keeps going up. It, it's, it's true. Now that, that it hasn't gotten any closer on the mechanism side, and that's where <laughs> I think we're going to see some uh, a few more fireworks as uh, you know times uh, details go, uh, details. Yeah, yeah. Let's, but but I mean I, you know I I still remain optimistic because we're having. You know, we're have we have parity in the amount. We have parity in the in the agreement that something needs to be done. And you know, there's actually a decent amount of parity on uh, a lot of the compression discussion as well. But then, you know, whether it's value uh, valuation caps versus um, increase in homestead exemption, that's that's you know still the debate that needs to happen. Um, and uh, it was interesting uh, to see. Uh, you're right that that at least both sides agree on the amount, yes. so that it would be the largest property tax cut uh, in history. But as we've, mm-hmm. or in, in historic tax cut in the history mm-hmm. of uh, the state of Texas. Um, but the thing that uh, that you know I keep harping on, you know, from the communication side, is that people will ha- people have to feel it, mm-hmm. you know. And even if it's even if it's just that their property taxes don't go up or that they go down a little bit or that they're moving in the right direction. Uh, homeowners and, and Texans around the, the state have to be able to say that this is real and this is significant. And that's really, you know, when you get into the details of it, it's making sure that whatever we end up uh, passing is something that people in a year or two years will say, I- I'm actually getting relief. Well, and that that is why, and I think that's why it's such a pressing issue right now, because they've been sold a bill of goods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, yeah, and, and people on both sides have, have, have done this. When, you know, they've sold property tax relief, when in truth, what ended up happening was your property taxes didn't skyrocket as fast as they could have. Right. Which is the old politicians thing of, you know, a uh, you know if it doesn't go up as much as we thought it would, that's, that's a cut, that's a cut <laughs> which is also very fake. Um, so another big issue uh, that's happening literally today. And so we don't have a lot to report on yeah. uh, because uh, because the, the committee uh, is happening later today is the big debate over the incredibly controversial issue of. Uh, of gender modification for minors. Um, we got reports this morning that the line was already out the door to get <laughs> into the, the committee hearing. Uh, we're hearing that there's going to be protests from the left uh, on this uh, on this issue. Um, for those uh, that aren't super familiar with this issue, we did do a layout with uh, Senator Donna Campbell, who will be laying out her bill today in the Senate, uh, and then Representative Tom Oliverson, who does a fantastic, both do a fantastic job of explaining Explaining the issue behind uh, behind this bill, um, but outside of the circus that that potentially may occur uh, at the hearing, mm-hmm. uh, what do you expect to see both from the right and the left uh, on this issue today? I think you're going to see a very uh, sober layout of this particular bill. I think there is going to be some uh, cross examination from other members of the committee that uh, might border on imputing one's motives and and somewhat disrespectful Mm -hmm. even though the senate usually is a little more state in that regard um i think that you're going to see people that have detransitioned appear and uh talk about their experience and i think you're going to have uh, the frothing at the mouth zealots Mm -hmm. um basically just you know, casting aspersions and, and doing their thing. So that's the people coming in giving testimony um, uh, at this. I'm 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 looking at the the committee makeup and I'm looking at you know obviously the 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 conservatives on the the panel are going to be in support of the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really interested to see what the Democrats on the committee end up doing and and how they go after this issue. Um, I'm not 
totally convinced that that they believe that this is a, the hill to die on mm. um, and that there'll be a very much of a pushback. I mean, all of the polling um, demonstrates that um, certainly Republicans and independents uh, are, are, are on the right side of this issue, uh, but even a majority of Democrats, or even a plurality, I should say, in mm. some polls, depending on what you look at, a plurality of Democrats believe that it is wrong for, for uh, minors to be going through this kind of, you know, certainly the surgeries and the puberty blockers and all of that. The science, I mean, even if you just sit and look at the science alone, regardless of the, the moral implications of all of this, mm. um, the science alone is, is, is enough to push back and, right. and, and to, 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 to do a huge pause on this. And, and certainly, I think public opinion is, is moving that direction. So it will be interesting, I think, right. to watch. Um, you know, I talk a lot about tribal politics has broken people's brains. <laughs> uh, and so if the right is for something, then the left has to be for the other thing. But I'd be really interested to see how much um, the, the, the left pushes back. Back on this issue, yeah, and I—I I mean, obviously, you know, there are, there are groups dedicated to this as their, you know, their their number one priority, and so you know, them showing up and having protests and all that is not really, you know, not really that outside the bounds. But the issue is, is debate. You know, you said pr- tribal politics. I just think people have forgotten how to discuss these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be, you know, screaming. It's going to be screaming and shouting in the gallery. It's not going to be. And come down to and lay out your case. It's going to be why are you trying to erase trans people? And it's like nobody's talking about anything of that. We're talking about standards of medicine here, which is right. well within the state's bounds to regulate. And not only that, but you know, they it's it's always about something else. It's always like mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about the fact that we're you know giving off-label drugs used in ways um, never envisioned in their uh, invention to children in order to uh, to basically to match. A reality that has been created only within the last 30 years or so. And that's something that, you know, when you say it like that, you're like, well, of course nobody would be. But but here we are. Yeah. It is insane that we're having these discussions. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, we'll obviously know more tomorrow. Um, Friday was the filing deadline. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, inside the inside the Capitol or inside this, you know, half mile radius of where we are, that's a huge deal. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Great uh, meme game by some of these members too. Yeah. We saw that, you know, don't don't come in here asking for your bill or whatever. Which actually is a real testament to organizations, frankly, and, and the operation that you run mm-hmm. uh, on the policy is that, you know, we didn't have to scramble a lot to to, you know, talk to members about, you know, legislation and reforms that we support mm-hmm. and that uh, TPPF was in pretty good shape going into filing deadline but it is a big day it's kind of one of those um, uh, one of those markers uh, Mm -hmm. that says look if you didn't get your bill in uh, we're not going to talk about it we're not going to you know this isn't something that we're going to be debating um, uh, in the next 90 days because uh, you didn't get your bill in one of the big you know kind of race to the finish was uh, the issue of universal school choice which you Mm -hmm. know we're TPPF so we're contractually obligated to talk about this every (laughs) 11 minutes Um, no but it was it was uh, interesting because uh, by our count, I think there are 22 bills that were filed, both in the House and the Senate, uh, that that involve parent empowerment, uh, school choice, you know, other issues in, involving uh, specifically to this issue of, of education reform. Um, you know, what do you see in terms of the prospects? Like, what does that mean? There's not one bill, right? There's SB8, which right. is the chairman's bill. Um, it's the low number bill in the mm-hmm. Senate. It's probably the first one that's going to get debated. I think next week they're going to have a, a debate on specifically SB8. 
SB8, but then school choice uh, writ large. Um, but what do you make of, you know, all of these ideas being submitted rather than, you know, just one big bill and that's what we're going to focus on? I, I, I'd say this is the process in action this is how it's supposed to be. You know, if you look at the landscape of where those bills are, you know, S, you know, SB8, um, not fully universal, but it does a lot of uh, other thi- uh, other things well in terms of uh, parental empowerment, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's a, it's a long bill and we can, you know, go into it uh, later on or, or, or um, you know, in a different episode. But that being said is then there's ones that it's just it is universal and we are, you know, kids can go wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, there's that. Angela Paxton has the bill. Senator Paxton has mm-hmm. the bill. I think has the universal school choice in it. Absolutely. And so there's definitely a lot of uh, ideas floating around out there. And then, of course, you know, there's ideas that you know are sound school choicey, but are not. And usually, you can tell uh, <laughs> school you, choicey. You, you look at the filer and you go, "What's what, what's going on here? What's, what's up with this?" And, and we so, want to be specific as to what we mean by universal school choice. I like right. calling it universal parental choice. Really, is what it is. And and um, sort of around the building, been calling it you know no parent left behind because that's really the idea is that you know parents have um, you know all parents should be treated equally in terms of their ability to offer their children the best possible uh, education, which means. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be carving out any opportunities for any parents mm-hmm. uh, to give their their kids, regardless of their current situation. Right. I mean, you know, one of the debates is over, you know, well, what if they already go to a private school? Or what if they homeschool? Or what if they're in a good school? Um, you know, and for that, I, I would say, look, you know, there's a lot of parents making tremendous sacrifices yeah. to send their kids to private schools. Obviously, homeschooling is a tremendous sacrifice. In a lot of cases, people are foregoing the, the ability to earn a living because they're doing they're doing homeschool. But, you know, even more importantly, you know, for good, you know, for kids that are in good schools, there's a lot of kids who aren't succeeding even in good schools. Right. Uh, and not necessarily, of course, because it's a bad school, but because they just need different options mm-hmm. uh, and, and parents are looking forward to those options. And then and then finally, you know, for for parents who like their schools, that's another one, you know, in rural communities, people love their schools, you know, their kid plays on the football team or, you know, uh, daughter plays on the basketball team or what have you, you know, for parents who like their schools, you can like your school and still want other options for your child, whether it's workforce training or, you know, or, uh, get, you know, have them you know, learn a, a trade or a skill and have them be workforce ready and career ready by the time that they, uh, by the time that they graduate high school. So they can go to high school, you know, during the day and then at 3 PM or 4 PM or after school or whatever, you can use some of that money, uh, to then go to, to learn, you know, to go to an apprenticeship or, or mm-hmm. a technical training or something like that. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways, uh, that people can use choice that can right. use, you know, more options, Absolutely. uh, rather than just saying, you know, Oh, I'm angry at my woke, you know, school and I want to send them to the place across town. So I think that debate's going to happen over the best ideas, um, and I think that's what hopefully we'll see next yes. week uh, is putting together uh, a package of bills that uh, conservatives can really get behind. And as you know, you know, politics being the art of the possible, you know, the, you know, is this going, is even, you know, the major legislation, um, SB8 and its analog in the House, were that to be the one that, that, that the people decide on? Is that in its final form right now? Mm-hmm. Likely not, just because of still having the interchamber negotiations and everything. Yep. So there was fireworks. I think there was there was some, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of insiders and folks that watch this program. So, um, uh, you know, I don't think I have to explain too much. But, you know, there were some there were some feisty members, uh, particularly in the House this week. Um, uh, Jared Patterson, uh, Representative Patterson, who's been on the layout a couple times, mm-hmm. um, you know, is it was, was getting after uh, some of the um, – uh, 
the folks who are opposing his bills. Mm-hmm. Um, Chairman Burroughs, who's obviously been over here and done a couple of layouts, uh, he he went after the Texas Municipal League. Mm-hmm. That's right. Texas. Did you watch that that uh, that interaction? And uh, and I think there was a sea change a little bit there right. that um, that that he was being that he was frustrated at some of their uh, remarks. Well, no matter what district uh, you represent, you always have cities in there, and these cities are often represented by the Texas Municipal League. So it, it, it's always a, an interesting political dynamic when you see how uh, members tend to react to the lobby organization for government qua government, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something we've always dealt with. In the, in the, are, you know, some people tolerated them. Some people were just, you know, like former mayors or what have you, just, you know, fully in, like, Yes, we need a, you know, a trade association that represents the city governments, which is just absolutely <laughs> asinine if you think about it. But that's a whole other thing. But you're talking about the uh, the two um, the two particular um, events with uh, Representative Patterson, uh, Patterson and Chairman Burroughs was not based on their position on the bills uh, in question, which were obviously, you know, they were obviously against. Um, I believe uh, Representative The League Patterson, was obviously against their yes, bills. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, I believe uh, Representative Patterson's bill was about uh, dealing with a delta between, uh, you know, workers' comp and, you know, basically keeping whole an injured first responder, mm-hmm. um, something that seems like a, you know, fairly politically salient uh, uh, position, whereas right. obviously for Chairman Burroughs, it was in regards to the... Um, the uh, regulatory, uh, the uniform regulatory uh, situation. And in doing so, it was not so much that they, well, in the Patterson case, as he said, these were both things set into the record in the committee hearing. It was not so much that they opposed the bill. It's that they showed up to, you know, two working days before the hearing and mm-hmm. then said, no, didn't offer any solution, anything, which, which, you know, if you've ever spent any time in the building professionally, that is the most Bush league stuff you can do. That's, <laughs> you know, that is, that is basically like, you know, people who want to, you know, advocate for or advocate for the, uh, you know, the golf horseshoe crab or something. So they start an organization called the golf horseshoe crab organ uh, association. And then they're like free crabs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, but then they show but like, it's so, and you know, it's not to sound like, you know, the, the the Austin swamp, but the reason some of these things grow into practice is because if uh, TML had a longstanding problem with the bill, they could have approached the author and worked at and worked with them ad nauseum. That's another, you know, we saw this again with other groups. Uh, you know, uh, Representative Caprillion put out his data privacy bill, mm-hmm. and some of the people that oppose that just poofed into existence, mm-hmm. you know, immediately prior to. And you never know if you work in good faith with these individuals. Oftentimes, I'm not going to say sometimes, but oftentimes they're willing to at least meet you halfway, if not substantially revise the bill itself to ensure stakeholders' input is. And uh, it's not like there's not time to do that. I mean, you know, the legislature only meets every two years. You know, you spend the entire interim. I mean, there's still work to be done. There's still representatives. There is still staff at the Capitol during the interim, and they have uh, they have hearings. They have you know educational and investigation uh, uh, type um, uh, reports that are Mm. that are done on these issues so yeah yeah, in the interim so the interim reports and so you know what issues are going to come up and this obviously i mean preemption and and fixing the regulatory structure in texas has been something that's been worked on session after session after session Mm. and so then to come in 48 hours before the filing deadline uh and try to throw your muscle around throw your weight around is just bad form not only is it bad form but you had to do so through basically misrepresenting what's in the was uh, misrepresenting what's in the legislation, which, of course, again, you know, up there at the Capitol, you know, so much of 
what is done. You know, your word is bond up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people just traffic in that very lightly. Right. A handshake still matters and sitting Absolutely. down with somebody and looking them in the eye and having that debate over it still matters up there. You know, the state legislature gets the legislature gets a lot done that way. Ab- Absolutely. Very different than Congress. Yeah, well, I, well, not only not only do they get a lot done, but again, the, the responsiveness to constituent concern is very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. So um, hit all the major issues. We had an ESG hearing, I think, this week, too. That's another big issue we're, not, we're probably not going to get to uh, today, but that's you know that's kind of the nature of, of what we wanted to talk about on the podcast, mm-hmm. try to get through as many of the big issues as possible. Um, probably the biggest issue in Texas right now, which is, uh, which is a controversy that has um, been swirling all week, is the takeover of the Houston uh, Independent School District by the Texas Education Administration. Uh, by um, Commissioner uh, Mike Morath. Mm-hmm. Now, this didn't just happen yesterday. This no. didn't just happen last week. This wasn't something that came out of the blue. Um, Paul Betancourt, Senator Betancourt, um, has been on top of this issue for over a decade now. Um, and he's, uh, I think, the second longest standing member uh, on the Education Committee and has been, obviously, he represents Houston. Um, so I follow a lot of his lead on this but, and a lot of the reports. Some of the reports that have come out about it make it sound like it's, you know, there's there, the reason why this is happening is because one school in the entire entire district um, has, has chronic failure. Um, the Wheatley High School has, has gone through five years up through, through to 2019. They've gone through five straight years of being rated as an F school, and that was the impetus for the takeover. If you talk to Senator Bencourt, that is one of many, many issues uh, going on uh, down in Houston ISD. Um, just get your reaction yeah. just in general about sort of maybe the 30,000 foot, you know, th- this idea. This was the only option for Commissioner Morath, um, but it is the one that he deployed. What do you make of you know the TEA taking over the largest school district in Texas? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know if I would agree that it wasn't the only option because you know if you just kind of look at the you know left to its own devices, its ability to to fix the problems that that were ongoing. Not only was not only was it enable, it seemed to just didn't even care. Absolutely did not even care. Hmm. And that is what just absolutely, (laughs) forget this is, we still have the everyone rating, so I need to to temper my language. (laughs) But the- We get canceled by Apple. Yeah, or Greg, who knows, yeah. (laughs) But but that's the thing, it's, it's, if you watch the press conference yesterday- you know, of of half the people that voted for the bill that allowed this to happen. The press conference people are, are angry that the takeover is happening, right? Yeah, but, but if you listen to what they say, it's all about, oh, it's Governor Abbott wants to do vouchers. It's all, oh, you guys don't support teachers. Oh, this is the conservatives trying to interfere with local control. It's about everything except the students, about everything right. except the students. And that's where even though the people that voted for this are there, you know, you know, rending garments and gnashing teeth. You see it just you see them pander to those base constituencies mm-hmm. again, not not parents, not students, but the teachers unions, the administrators right. and, you know, and the boards, because the, the reason is that this happened is the board has been a perennial failure. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're actually getting yanked. And, and you know, to talk about the students. I mean, even if it is about that one school, that's five years of a failing grade. I mean, that's two classes, mm-hmm. two classes that for all four years that they were in high school received a failing grade at that school. I mean, what, <laughs> <Four>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what are the what is the commissioner supposed to do? Just keep, you know, hey, maybe next year 
year it'll get better. And I love how they're bra- oh they've made huge strides. That's one of the one of the uh, the uh, folks tweeted last night. Uh, you know, the, oh they've made huge strides in the last two. Th- they're a C. They've literally gone from an F to a C in three years after after failing for uh, for five years. So you know things are not getting that much better. And of course, right. you know, if you really look at the ratings, I mean they're you know they're still I mean they're they're not exactly the most stringent uh, of guidelines in order to in order to get those ratings. I mean they're we're glad they have them, but uh, you know but a C is not great. And no. and so anyway, and and it also has to do with what you said with the the board of trustees, which is you know there's a lot of corruption going on. I mean I I heard uh, Senator Bentoncourt talk about it this morning. I mean there's a lot more going on there um, with uh, the trustees literally fighting each other. Not and I don't mean just like arguing. There was like video three or four years ago of them actually getting into a fight in the teachers' lounge in at one at one of the high schools. Um, so there's you know there's factions fighting and warring each other. Uh, and so what I think the commissioner did was he you know he vacated all the seats right I mean literally takes them over and then he'll reappoint uh, nine new members to the board of trustees uh, to hopefully get that going but um but it is you know it's a crisis down there and you know yeah. what else is the, what else are they supposed to do uh, it, but that that's the thing if you know just keep the bureaucratic inertia of these school boards is just absolutely ridiculous and with without measures like this they will never ever change. All right. So with about the 10 minutes or so that we have left, um, uh, I do want to talk about a different crisis, changing, uh, shifting gears here a little bit. Um, There were a number of of headlines around the border in the last, you know, seven to 10 days or so. Um, uh, One of them being, obviously, there was a, there was a mad rush over the week. I think it was on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, There was an an attempt to overrun one of the, uh, the bridges to overrun one of the ports of entry. Um, Red Rover strategy, it seems. Mm-hmm. To, to push, there were hundreds. I think it was a th- almost a thousand people. Uh, hundred, definitely hundreds, but almost a thousand people. Uh, that that you know, the cartels apparently, according to reports, the cartels had told them that it would be a a free day to get into America, and that they needed to go up to the to the bridge uh, because they were going to open the gates, and that you know Joe Biden was going to have a uh, an amnesty day or something. I don't know. It was one of the reports. Is that the most implausible scenario? Though? Right. I mean, that's probably <laughs> why a thousand people showed up because it, you know. You, you would think uh, Biden would do something like that. Just kidding. But what ended up happening was that, you know, almost a thousand people showed up. They tried to push their way through. Luckily, uh, we, there were enough forces there to repel those folks and, and push back and, and the, the border was not overrun. So we've got that incident happening. Uh, obviously, the tragic, tragic incident um, a couple of weeks ago in which uh, four uh, folks from Texas uh, were mistaken uh, by the cartels as being drug runners, apparently, um, and were kidnapped. And two of them were, were murdered. One was injured. One was uh, left alive. So you've got these these headlines, these incidents bubbling up at the border. Um, you know what? Texas is trying. It's Texas is not trying its best. Texas is actually um, uh, aggressively and assertively pursuing uh, its own border security in lieu of the federal right. government not doing its job. What do you make of the the uh, response from Texas and the, and the governor? I mean, I I don't know what. Well, I mean, just if you look at some of the the proposals that. Uh, that we've seen filed in the House and uh, you know been supported by the governor. Those are separate proposals. Obviously, want to dis- uh, put a distinction there. You know, they're they're f- firing every arrow in the quiver. I don't know what's. I'd, I'm I'm at a loss to think about what else can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, within the you know the, within the current bounds and like, you know, even slightly on the periphery, any other side of the current bounds. Um, you know, you saw that uh, HB twenty was filed. HB twenty saying 
about you know basically creating these border security units that might mm-hmm. include uh, that might include civilians and some of the some of the absolute dumbest takes I've seen on that that we're creating lynching units and stuff like that and it just shows that these people the people that say that kind of nonsense just really aren't ready for this debate like, this is a debate for, this is a debate for adults especially adults debating issues of geopolitical importance mm. it's it's but you know some people just go to the you know red side bad blue side good you know that 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 base level one of the tribal politics yeah a- absolutely absolutely and so the the reaction to this has been predictable on both sides i have not uh, delved into specifically with hb20 i'm yeah, i haven't gotten to be able to review it thoroughly i think that you know it's something well within the bounds of of what the state is allowed to do but i still you know devil being in the mm-hmm. details just want to make sure to uh take a look on that you know maybe we'll get uh we'll get uh, representative schaefer in here to um to do a layout on it because because I, I think that'd be I mean informative even to, even for me because I I'm willing to hear any solution mm-hmm. at this point. It's getting so bad down there, and the abdication by the federal government is getting so bad. Uh, and you know we're you know yes we're a massive economy, um, but you know it's not like we have infinite resources by which we can uh, use to secure our own border in the absence of the federal government. So again, anything that gets proposed, I'm willing to have that discussion. At this and with point. regard to HB20, um, you know the um, Republicans are taking heavy heavy fire on that from the Democrats. The Democrats absolutely freaked out yeah. uh, over the the implementing of that bill, not just because it was filed, but because it got a low bill number, which means it is a an it was uh, pushed by the speaker mm-hmm. as a priority item, mm-hmm. and so it's going to get a lot of debate and is going to get a lot of pressure for uh, the Republican caucus to stick together and to and to vote that out. Uh, Republican, and as they say, when you're taking heavy fire, you must be over the target. Yeah, and I, I would also I would also say I don't think this is going to be as unifying on the left as they think it is. You know, because obviously we're going to see the the limousine liberals from uh, you know representatives from Austin from Dallas. Uh, from Houston, doing their usual preening, um, and I think that some of the folks down the border will be like, oh, "Let's hold on, let's hear them out," you mm-hmm. know. Um, and obviously, will the, this be an issue? You think that they, uh, you know, load up their their suitcase of Miller Lite and uh, and head up to Washington to break quorum over? Yeah. Well, shout out Miller Lite because I think they got a bad rap for you know their uh, <laughs> their uh, being an accessory in the walkout. But no, I mean, at least Lone Star. I mean, have some Texas pride. <laughs> Why well, start now for those guys? But anyway, <laughs> oh, that's mean. That's mean. Some of them. Meanwhile, um, that being said, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think it is for, for two reasons. One, they've actually gone ahead and tightened the rules up around quorum breaking, hmm. um, making it very disadvantageous uh, for that to be used as a, as a particular strategy. Um, that being said, you know, the lack I, I don't want to say never because kind of the lack of uh, creativity from cau- uh, caucus leadership. I think we very, you know, I don't, you know, it is the same recycled microwaved ideas over and over again in the policy debates. What, what, why, why would we believe that it won't be the same microwaved ideas all over again in the political debates? And for and for his part, Joe Biden has, uh, you know, you want to pull your hair out because within the first ten days of him becoming president, he reversed. You know, dozens of orders from from the former, you know, to prove that he was the anti-Trump, to prove that, you know, that there was a new sheriff in town. He reversed dozens of orders. Or no sheriff in town. as Right. Well. Yeah. Right. Uh, particularly in the case of uh, border security, mm-hmm. uh, dozens of, of orders that have been put in place by the president and the previous administration, many on border security, many that were that were working and were creating for the first time in a generation, a actual secure border. Now, by my count, this is now the third time that he has reversed 
first uh, a border, uh, border security uh, provision. This one being, you know, if you're going to cut, if you're going to try and gain, you know, entry into the United States, you have to, and you're going to do it through the asylum process. You have to ask for asylum from the first country that you step in, yeah. which would be for most people coming here from Central America, that would be Mexico. And this was a policy that was put in place that did actually st- stem the flow mm-hmm. of people coming into uh, America. But of course, this is this is a retread. This is a re-reverse, um, and it just has people tearing their hair out because yeah. we we've dealt with some of the you know hundreds, literally, we're breaking records every single month of illegal entries. You know, uh, tens of thousands of others of, of gotaways, people that were not. But we better not let Yokovic uh, play any tennis. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, because he didn't get the jab, um, you know. But all of that going on, and now two and a half years later, you know, now that he's in the political silly season, he's got to run for re-election. Now they're finally getting. Well, well you did see his uh, sister soldier moment of saying, you know, the uh, free carjackings bill that the uh, that had been advanced uh, by Congress in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, if uh, if they repeal it. I'll sign that. And I'm like, so brave. Wow. So brave. Braver level 9,000. But at the same time, he's pushing a bill that has almost $5 trillion in tax increases to, uh, to pay for all manner of, of left-wing uh, garbage and nonsense just to play to his base because they're you know they're looking around saying, what have we got in the last three years? And he's trying to uh, trying to answer that question. Uh, but this, you know, this segment, we do call it in-depth for a reason. And one of the, the um, you know, one of the new research products uh, that TPPF has put out uh, just for a shameless plug is this idea, and it's not a new idea, but we've done a bunch of research on it, is this, is this idea of, of labeling Mexico as a uh, foreign, I'm oh, sorry, labeling the cartels, yes. not Mexico, no. although somebody could make, some could make that case. Yeah, they just label them a failed narco state. A failed narco state, but specifically um, the cartels labeling them a foreign terrorist organization. What does that do? That right. Just that designation opens up some new things that we can do. What does that do for, for Texas if we, if we make that designation? Well, well certainly, and then kind of uh, you know, uh, to, to flesh out my, my kind of fl- flipper mark right there is, you know, the failed narco state issue is if we had a credible partner in government, again, not even one that we uh, have to agree with all the time. In fact, one that, you know, I think AMLO, we can disagree with many on many things. The problem, of course, being, though, that he seems at many times and many times with the uh, assertion of sovereignty of his own country subservient to these cartels. And so what can we do if we determine that uh, the cartels are uh, terrorist organizations? Well, it allows us, I would say unfettered, but a lot more access to to interdict and freeze assets that are coming through uh, places of our jurisdiction. Uh, it allows us uh, more flexibility in what we can do with individuals that are arrested and detained. Um, it also opens, opens up a lot of extradition opportunities as well. So is it going to be the silver bullet? Absolutely not. Is it something that's going to be a good tool in the toolbox for uh, reining in these bad actors? It will be. I, well, how far it'll go will be ten. Will depend on how much it's actually employed. But that being said, is this is a an arrow <laughs> in the quiver that has not yet been fired. Yeah. So I think that it's past time that we've done that. And the House and certainly the the Senate as well is is making border security a top issue, as I say all the time on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been polling you know top issues in Texas for three years, and 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 border security and immigration has been the number one issue, save for a couple of months during the pandemic, uh, has been the number one issue for all Texans, uh, literally since we started started asking the question. Um, so it's so it's it's uh, encouraging that the House and the Senate and certainly the governor are focused on this issue and are coming up with new ideas. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that'll take us uh, to the end of the show. Again, sorry I don't have a party hat to celebrate our anniversary um, or, or, or blowhorn or confetti. But um, did you get me anything nice? Or we we did not do gifts this year, but perhaps maybe on our twentieth show we'll do a, a an awkward gift exchange. <laughs> <laughs> so just let me know, yeah, you know, you know, like my wife does, just subtly let me know, you know, what you're what you're looking for uh, this year for for anniversary, and hopefully I don't <laughs> screw it up like like I do those. Um, all right, so uh, so again, thank you for listening, thank you for watching. We appreciate uh, all of our, our listeners and all the feedback that we get on the show. Um, as always, as I say at the end of every show, in the words of Sam Houston, do good and suffer the consequences. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>